This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. With the explosive growth of the Internet and broadband communications, we now have the potential for a truly democratic media system. But the country's powerful communications companies have other plans, a system designed principally to sell to rather than serve the public. In his new book, Digital Destiny, New Media and the Future of Democracy, our guest today, Jeff Chester, explores the current state of government regulation and deregulation of big media, Chester is the executive director of the Center for Digital Democracy. Jeff Chester, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you both. How are you doing today? Well, um, you know, one <laughs> can only uh, not think about uh, the relationship between media deregulation, both old media, uh, newspapers and broadcasting and cable, new media, what we have in store for the Internet, what some people have in store for the Internet, and the financial deregulation. And mm-hmm. I think... Uh, those two issues uh, are linked, and the inability of the press to uh, warn the public in advance, uh, let alone uh, you know, let us know more about the the conflicts of interest uh, you know amongst both parties in Congress and the financial industry, uh, is connected to this deregulatory mindset. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it's a time when we need to really think about um, our future. Um, uh, both here and, and, and globally, and what the right policies should be, not just for the financial markets, but uh, high on the agenda need to be policies to ensure that the Internet and digital media are truly uh, uh, more democratic institutions. Do you feel that the press has failed to inform us about what's going on with uh, regulation and deregulation of, uh, on the Internet? There's no, yes. I mean, look, there's been a steady decline in the ability of traditional news organizations to have the capacity to do the kind of reporting across the board that the public requires to have a more informed uh, society. And I link that, that trend, uh, the reduction in the number of reporters, the elimination of investigative reporting and consumer reporting uh, in, in newspapers, because you hardly see it on, on television, uh, to, to deregulation. I mean, we starting on, in the Carter era, it's important to blame both parties here. Starting in the Carter era, uh, you know, accelerated uh, certainly during the Reagan years, but in a way endorsed during the Clinton uh, era as well. Uh, has this has been this uh, uh, philosophy uh, that we didn't need any public interest policies to ensure a more healthy, vibrant and accountable uh, media system. So there have been all these layoffs, there's been these mergers, there's been these layoffs uh, all across the board, you know, Tribune Company, Los Angeles Times, the list goes on and on, um, and they're not, re- they're not able to report. And, of course, it's always very difficult, frankly, for the news media to report on its own industry, which is the media, and a new media is, and I think this is very telling, new media, the Internet, uh, and, and it's... Uh, myriad forms, is really part of the entertainment industry in many ways. The business model that's been developed for most of the online content services reflects an entertainment showbiz Madison Avenue mindset. That's one of my concerns about it all. And, of course, that that financial mechanism uh, that generates revenues for um, the entertainment and information 
industry is what keeps a lot of reporters uh, uh, paid. So there, there are a number of reasons why we haven't been hearing about what's going on. Well, it's also important to note that uh, the uh, media industry, the news gathering industry, was sought and successfully uh, uh, was able to achieve a deregulation itself. So uh, absolutely. So it, it was. There was no coverage. There really was hardly any coverage in the 1980s. In the 1990s, there was very little coverage of the 1996 Telecommunications Act and the big giveaway. There's been hardly any coverage uh, of. Uh, there was hardly any coverage when the uh, Bush Federal Communications Commission really gave away much of the internet's future to the phone and 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 cable giants. And there's practically no coverage today of the business model, which is at the heart of the future of the Internet, which is all about data collection and violations of our privacy and the creation of very powerful marketing systems within social networks and broadband video channels and, and, and mobile services. You know, for me, one of the most difficult things in trying to grapple, to come to grips with this looming financial um, situation, and that is I don't, seriously, I do not trust the people who are telling me what's going on right now. I, when I'm watching uh, MSNBC or Fox News or anything, or any of the... You watch uh, Fox News? Uh, I'm, I, I, by proxy, I end up watching Fox News. Oh, okay. But, but, uh, He's I, taking a risk for all of us. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm, willing, <laughs> I'm falling on the grenade for all you guys. Uh, so, uh, but, but my point is, is that I'm being told, when, when, I see, when I see Fox News interviewing Donald Trump and Steve Forbes telling me why... Congress is wrong to not go along with this plan. When I see on all of these networks millionaires coming on telling me why this is and this situation isn't good, I I don't I have no context to understand what's really going on here. Well, uh, well, you're absolutely right, and I think that's why this issue about media deregulation is linked to uh, the financial deregulation. I also have been watching and listening, and we I don't believe the American people. are getting the right information. I don't think the news system really understands what's going on. They're incapable of really reporting what's going on in, 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 in many ways, and they're culpable. They're linked to the very industry and business, I mean, like MSNBC and their financial reporters. You know, they're part of that system. That's why one of the answers here is to take advantage of the transition between old and new media, and to, uh, where entry into the new media system is still relatively inexpensive, and there's a whole new business model that's emerged. Uh, you know where you can you know you can bring in several millions of people into a social network and develop a relationship with them and have uh, uh, communications and and sell, and sell things and engage in a kind of commercial approach and begin creating our own news and information system. There needs to be a parallel, independent, progressive, both commercial and non-commercial news and information and entertainment system that can tell as many people as possible what the real deal is because it isn't coming from the mainstream and it's not going to come from the mainstream. We're speaking with Jeff Chester. The book is Digital Destiny, New Media and the Future of Democracy. And uh, as executive director of the Center for Digital Democracy, what, what is going on there to, to help uh, move this forward? Well, look, we uh, believe that we that the public interest community needs to take very firm stands here and push, uh, you know, the, the certainly the Democrats and and others into 
taking uh, a position that really will make it a more democratic system. I mean, high on the agenda are the basics, which is, you know, the Internet, uh, access to it, and access to, to the mobile phone, and eventually, you know, mobile, the mobile Internet is going to be vitally important in all our lives. This is, these are becoming extremely expensive. Um, there's now a monopoly in terms of providing uh, uh, Internet service because, as, as I said before, the uh, big phone and cable companies and Time Warner, Comcast, AT&T, Verizon, in essence, have gained monopoly control over the U.S. broadband lines. They want to keep raising prices. So you have to have a, a, a policy, and, and, and we're calling on the new Congress to do so, that gives everyone inexpensive, uh, uh, literally cheap access uh, to the Internet in their home. That's the so-called uh, digital divide problem. Uh, the, the other issue that we're working on, uh, and one that concerns us the most, is that the from our perspective, really, the entire Internet has really been designed to be a commercial surveillance system to promote um, um, uh, Fortune 1000 in particular uh, uh, products, brands, philosophies. I mean, just beneath the, the, the very kind of sophisticated digital plumbing of the Googles and the Yahoos and the AOLs, you know, is in fact, you know, uh, Madison Avenue. Uh, data is being collected about us all the time when we're on social networks, when we're watching broadband video sites, when we're doing searches. These are being compiled into profiles. It's uh, being analyzed. We're being tracked site to site, literally dozens, if not hundreds, of different sites. Uh, there are tracking technologies, and and increasingly we will be getting an array of very sophisticated multimedia messages, urging us to have relationships with products, relationships with brands, relationships with with um, cultural representatives who who work for those companies, and politicians are beginning to use this too. So I, you know, if the most powerful organized force in our society, and this is really a global business now, I mean, the Googles and the Yahoos and the Madison Avenues are as, if not more, interested in what happens in China and in Europe than they are in the United States. So what we're seeing here is happening everywhere. But if the most organized, most financially backed system, you know, in our lives is constantly promoting consumption by, by, by. I also wonder what will happen to the future of our society, uh, you know, given the current economic crisis, which was in part triggered by people being encouraged to take out more loans and refinance their homes and et cetera. And what will, what will it do to us as individuals if these messages about consume sort of overshadow or drown out other messages about the need for equity and equality and community? Yeah, you just, you've touched on something that I, I keep wondering out loud to a variety of guests that we've had here on Weekly Signals, and that is, how, how is it that we make this transition from this consumer-based economy to something that is more sustainable, something that will, in fact, allow the planet to be able to remain a viable place for us to live. And when so much, we see so much uh, about so much of the economy around the world, the new economy for India and China and for Russia is consumption. Well, and, listen, how I do we do this? One of the key uh, uh, issues, and it's off the radar screen, uh, sadly, for progressives and many other people. But it needs to be yeah. because, you know, as I said, this very powerful digital media system. And you know, and I tell people, if you want to sort of see the future, go and do a job search. Go on Google and look up Google Jobs, uh, uh, United Kingdom advertising sales. It's just that the United Kingdom is a kind of test bed for a lot of online advertising, mm -hmm. and you will see that you know Google 
Google's hiring people for YouTube. What is YouTube for Google? In the wanted, it's a, quote, next-generation advertising platform. I think that says a lot. It's not about an open media system. It's not about a vehicle for democracy. It's an interactive advertising platform, and other Google jobs will describe how they are using the tremendous power of that organization uh, to serve the interests, quote-unquote, of the Fortune 1000. And I don't want to single Google out alone, but that's the direction the system is headed, to, to really use these very powerful tools to promote the, the interests of advertisers, to get us to buy things and, 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 and disregard concerns about our own financial pocketbooks and the fate of the planet, which is really at stake. Isn't this sort of a race uh, to control, and I don't want to sound Orwellian about this. Yeah, you do. Uh, Well, a little bit. This is a race to control the way we think, not just what we think about, the way we think, in the sense that I think people who have any understanding of what's going on in the world today with the amount of consumption, and we're looking at all the data about global warming, we know that we have to consume less. We know we have to leave a smaller footprint, a less of a carbon footprint, and all the rest of it. And there's this race, sort of a desperate race on the part of these people that you're describing, these companies, to say, no, you need to buy more stuff. That's exactly right. And they're extremely organized. And of course, they're well Funded, and they've already integrated. They've already uh, invaded, uh, you know, the, the the Facebooks and the MySpaces, and they're, and and they're going to mobile social networks and broadband video. The, the, what I've been tracking is, and it's it's in the book, but it's also on our website. And it's um, and if your listeners go to another website that we uh, cooperate, it's called DigitalAds.org. And then DigitalAds.org at the moment just looks at food and beverage advertising targeted to children and teens. But it's emblematic because when you see the explosion of interactive advertisements in the United States and elsewhere promoting junk food use, it gives you a sense of, of, of what's going on and what's coming. So DigitalAds.org. Uh, but all of these forces are, are, are far in the lead, and the environmentalists and others uh, and including, frankly, you know, journalists have not yet caught on to the fact that unless we do something to check the power of this powerful force promoting consumption, and by the way, using the latest research in neuroscience to craft those interactive ads, to, to, to uh, I'm not uh, uh, sounding Orwellian here, but uh, this is true. Use the, the advertisers are using latest advances in neuroscience to craft these interactive ads so that their multimedia messages reach deep inside our brains and our unconscious and emotions. Unless we do something to to check all this, yeah. then um, you know I think disaster awaits us. Mm. It is a, it is a distraction. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, what they're what it's an attempt to do is to just to distract us it's the old it goes back to the old saying who are you going to believe me or your lying well, eyes well that's exactly right yeah. and 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 you know and it's not it, it, i mean it's not a conspiracy in the sense that that's, this is what those people do but the the fact of the matter is that they're so blinded it's market by, share what is it it's market share it's market share. I mean, they're blinded by greed, you know, for, uh, in, in a way, and and or they're caught up in their own, you know, uh, frame, and they can't sort of see that their implications to, you know, having uh, 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 teenagers uh, uh, receive email marketing messages and instant mail messages and videos, uh, you know, for McDonald's and, and Kentucky Fried. I mean, they, they don't they don't think about the planet. They don't think of look. One of the things I'm tracking, and I I think you know your listeners could to, could if they can get on to Ad Age China, uh, it, you know, it, it's a good site, Advertising Age China. But to do a search for mobile marketing in China, 
advertisers and marketers are salivating because the middle class in China is much larger than than the U.S. population as a whole, and young people in China are connected, particularly through mobile devices, and they're and they're already engaged in all kinds of campaigns, you know, for cars and and other products without thinking what. Certainly, the Chinese deserve you know the benefits of, of modern technology. But what happens if you're pushing the adoption of all these new behaviors uh, to 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 pollution to the environment? There's absolutely no sense of social responsibility coming from from the advertising industry, and Congress is taking a pass. Meanwhile, I just want to add: there's also a disturbing trend towards new media consolidation. Just as we've seen old media consolidation, that's another issue that I've been really one of the few people working on. Uh, not necessarily pat myself on the back, but to sort of illustrate that there are not enough people looking at this. There's been a race on a global basis by the Googles and the Microsofts and the Yahoos and the Time Warners to gobble up dozens of small and medium and even large-sized c- companies so that only a handful control the key means of, of advertising online whoever controls online advertising controls the future of, of of revenues for the new media publishing world and if if only a handful of of giant global digital gatekeepers are in a position to to reap the benefits and their primary interest is to serve the interest of the fortune 1000 and that's really sort of my critical crit, critical scenario i think we got a problem yes now this is the microsoft google and yahoo uh, uh, buyout that you're talking about a little bit. Well, right? yes, I mean, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the, that's right. I mean, Google has been on a shopping spree. It bought the largest um, sort of behavioral uh, targeting, which is a advanced form of interactive marketing, a company last year uh, called uh, DoubleClick. Um, you know, uh, Microsoft uh, bought last year, spent $6 billion buying a, a huge uh, interactive advertiser called a Quantiv. Uh, Yahoo, uh, you know, swallowed up bunch of companies, including a California uh, interactive advertiser called Blue Lithium, um, believe it or not. Um, so they've been buying up all these companies. So you have fewer companies in the new media space aligned with the sort of you know old media concentrated interests. I think that uh, does not portend well for um, digital democracy. We're speaking with Jeff Chester. The book is Digital Destiny, New Media and the Future of Democracy. And the website there at the Center for Digital Democracy is democraticmedia.org. That's exactly right. And then there are other terrific groups out there. Uh, you know, in, in California, there's the worldprivacyforum.org, there's Electronic Privacy Information Center, epic.org, and there's the Free Press uh, Group, which does wonderful work on uh, network neutrality. No, there's just there's so many ways that my mind is going in about five directions right now regarding all this stuff. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, and that is the basics here. We and I, I Nathan's heard me say this before, but we do not have a educational system that puts any emphasis on the idea of being a citizen in this country. We do not teach civics anymore. We don't. We people don't understand the disconnect. It allows it. It makes it easier for people to come along and say that whatever you think and or want to do really has no bearing on on the future of your government on the future of your country. And uh, and it just until we start to instill in people that sense of civic responsibility, this is going to be a much difficult, more difficult fight. 
Well, I agree with you, but that's why we need to use this time, because even though I talk about trends underway, I believe we do have a a bit of time. The market's not completely set yet for digital media. I mean, there's been a a, a shopping spree, and beyond the Googles, by the way, I should say that one of the other things I'm concerned about in tracking the venture uh, investment in new media, and your listeners could go to, if they don't already, go to very fine websites, paidcontent.org. Paidcontent.org tracks on a daily basis the venture investment in new media. But if you look at the investment, you will see that I believe we're repeating the same uh, ownership patterns in new media as we have with old media, that it's principally, not surprisingly, the sort of white money class. I see very few online content services owned by women and and Hispanics and African Americans, and certainly not by poor people. So unless we do something, you're going to have ownership of new media in in hands that are similar to to the current system. But but, but it's still not a done deal, and the barriers to entry are still low, and you can create a social network, and you can offer online content, and, you know, there are business models to explore uh, here, um, in part because the way the online works is that, and this is a, both a good and a bad thing, the business model for online you know, merges content, uh, advertising, and transactions. There, there, there's no barriers anymore. So we have to establish in this country, and progressives and public interest people and community people need to be in the forefront at the local and state and national level, a whole new array of sustainable online services that can engage in counter-programming and do the kind of civic education that you talk about. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're uh, taking your message to Democrats and others in Congress. Do you have a champion there in Congress or in Washington? Not really. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the. I mean, there are some good progressives in 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 Congress. Um, you know, Ed Markey in the House has been very good on privacy. Look, the problem is they're all under the influence of the money. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, when, when in the 1996 Telecom Act, the biggest giveaway in telecommunications, you know, in, in decades, um, you know, who were the people announcing that, you know, it was uh, a, a fabulous uh, event? It was Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton and Al Gore. And I think the case is still the true. Look, Mr. Obama's, uh, one of his key f- uh, fundraisers, is one of his leading bundlers, is the former Democratic FCC chairman, William Kennard. Uh, Mr. Kennard went from being uh, the chief regulator to now buying up media properties for the Carlisle Group. On the GOP side, uh, you know, uh, John McCain's uh, 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 pick to be the uh, FCC chair, Michael Powell, the great deregulator went from deregulating the media industry to now working as a venture capitalist, buying up uh, some of those very same media properties. So there's a real deep culture of corruption here that 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 um, uh, influences the the media and 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 communications policy space. Therefore, finding real champions is extremely difficult. These people have no courage. Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, if I have a contact with Obama. And he puts you in charge of the FCC. What, what are you going to do right away? What would be your first action? Well, the, what would you say? Oh, the first thing I would do is say we need to have a national plan to ensure diverse ownership of new media content, mm-hmm. uh, uh, women, uh, uh, people of color, and low income. I mean, if we don't create a plan, a strategy, to make sure that people have access to a diverse array of information, I mean, I, you know, I, and, and there's a challenge there because I think we need to sort of build it in, in a number of ways, and, and 
part of it is, is something the government can't do. Look, we need to rebuild the news system yeah. so that there are meaningful, you know, there's a meaningful news and, 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 and objective kinds of reporting, investigative reporting going on, that tradition, because that's completely in flames. So we have to figure out what happens to that. But I also believe we need a progressive um, and community-based system. And, um, you know, we need to have outlets all across the country, um, such as what you're doing, but on a kind of, you know, 24-7 uh, basis, providing video and a whole array of services, including, you know, reaching people through the mobile device, that really are out there telling the truth, that are also using the new media networking uh, system to, to, to bring people together. Um, you know, we need that fast. Obviously, the right wing and the conservatives are going to have that as well. But it's de- I think it's a desperate need for, for progressives and for, and for community-focused um, um, people to see that media system be created. So if I was the FCC chairman, I would immediately move. Um, uh, first place, I would say there should be a woman chair because there's never been a woman chair. But... Um, I, I would have diversity. I also, frankly, would, 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 would order that, you know, we'd have to come up with like a dollar a month rate for, for basic Internet service. I mean, the idea that you're, you know, lifeline to democracy and to your kid's school and, you know, um, uh, is, is, is dependent on you paying $60, $80 a month and, you know, and, and the rates are going to go up, uh, I think that's, that's so, absurd. So we've passed the threshold where the Internet was a, was a, uh, a neat thing. Into a into a necessity. A I think it's a utility, and utility. I think that you know you know you you have to and, and you have to have re- a reasonable access, and and it needs to be inexpensive. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, can, can I make a suggestion as far as uh, one other aspect of this? Which are is, you as advisor? I'm going to advise okay. Jeff, Jeffrey Chester right now, and that is that we make it so that the networks uh, um, make the news organizations or designate them a not-for-profit part of the business. I actually call for something like that in, in, in my book, and of course I, was, I just saw I was sort of a, 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 a attacked by the industry. No, look, I, I think what we, we, we clearly need to, 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 to make the uh, existing news organizations um, more responsible here, and we should be, you know, uh, I talk about spinning them off and having them run as basically as non-profit entities and, and subsidized by the you know, monopoly profits that we've given the yeah. NBCs and Foxes. No, I think that's I think that's one of the ideas. Look, clearly we have to criticize the the, the, the television news is is a disaster, oh. and and um, uh, we need to do something about it. I mean, you know, there there's a, there is a and and so I'll that's I'll put that on my agenda the minute that <laughs> yeah Obama yeah well I, I think you should. The, uh, I was watching the news the other night. It's uh, uh, oh they found a dead baby in a trash bin, and by the way, there's a seven hundred billion dollar you know the, you know that, I mean this is insane. But you but I also think we have to accept um, the possibility, and I think it's a likely possibility they're not going to change. Right. And um, you know PBS has its own problems. You know uh, Bill Moyers, God bless him, who's a friend of mine. Uh, you know, he's the last of a breed there, yeah. because PBS has never really nurtured, you know, new and younger yeah. and multicultural versions of Mr. Moyers. Yeah. So you can't count on PBS, yeah. NPR, maybe, but they have their problems. I wouldn't count on CNN and, and any of those people changing anytime soon, even under uh, regulatory scrutiny. We have a chance to do our own news, and we need to do it. Because, well, because, you know, we need to have many, many more shows like yours and certainly many, many more services beyond Amy Goodman. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we, we're doing what we can. But uh, unfortunately, PBX looks like a, a Flomax commercial now. And it's unfortunate because uh, they, yeah, 
We need to do more. Thank you. And for, we can do it. Yeah, we yeah. can. It's an. It's not that expensive to do. Broadband video uh, is, is inexpensive. You know, tens of millions of people are now watching their video online. Yeah. That's only going to increase. We should be. It's still the ground floor. Yeah. And we should be there and organizing the new media system of tomorrow, because if, if we don't, then all the problems that, that concern us from health care you know, to the environment to poverty will, will be intractable in the future yeah. unless we fix the media system. Well, you're right. Uh, with with uh, crisis comes opportunity. Well, Jeffrey Chester, I want to thank you so much. Thank the book, you both. Thank you so much for being here on Weekly Signals. I appreciate it. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.